This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Jim Spence and Ian Roach. Well, guys, it kind of, all too often, it feels like we're on the edge of a, a Dundee crisis, and we've used the word that often that you kind of you kind of forget what is a crisis and what isn't. But I think I think this probably I think certainly judging by what Paul McGowan had to say after the match on Saturday at Air, I think I think we can call this one a crisis, Jim. It's this good grief. It, let's let's. Let's start with the predicament they're in before we find a way out. I mean, it's it felt like it felt like I had a bad feeling about Dundee at Air. Did you? Well, two two things. I had a, a feeling that Air certainly would tax them and test them. You know, any, any team with people like Michael Moffat and uh, uh, you know in, in the lineup um, uh, are dangerous opponents. I mean, I remember how you know how dangerous he was the night when Air. Dundee United 5-0 at Tarradice Shankland ran, ran amok that night when he was in air colours um, Air are a decent side they've lost a few players obviously notably Shankland among them but they're still a very decent side um, now th- th- that was always going to be a dangerous uh, ground to go to uh, for Dundee particularly given uh, th- their form so yes it, it was worrying however it, you know on the positive side of what should have been on the positive side Dundee are a much better resource club than Air United by a long, long way. They're a much, much bigger club than Air United in, in every respect. And I think it's fair to expect Dundee to be able to go to Somerset Park and take something from a game at, at the best of times. Uh, they didn't, um, beating 2-0 uh, on the night. Although the stats show that they had decent possession, more shots on goal and, and all the rest of it, the better possession. But, but you know, the, the bottom line is, Eric, we talk about this all the time. About so stats. what? I, yeah, I like so my what? stats. So what? You know, so what? They prove they, they prove many things, but, they, 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 you know, at the end of the day, the result proves everything. And they lost 2-0. Now, the, the really dangerous thing here is that in a truncated season, because we know this is a, a two-thirds season, if you will, um, that already Dundee are actually... You know, Dundee are in relegation form as opposed to um, promotion or playoff form. I mean, Dunfermline Athletic are now eight points ahead of Dundee after only five games. Um, Hearts, who most of us, I think, expect to, to win the league and who tobered Dundee up with a 6-2 thrashing on the opening night of the season, are seven points ahead. And you would expect that that will probably, you know, stretch it as we go. The goals for, uh, uh, compared to the goals against, five, uh, you know, the five of a difference, seven for 12 against, is, is grim for them. It, it, it's grim for them and there is no disguising that. It's one win, it's two draws, it's two defeats and, and a really poor goal-scoring record. And then to top it off, you've got Paul McGowan, Gowser, as, as, as he's known in the game, coming out and launching a, an incredibly fierce attack on the entire dressing room. Um, and by implication, you know, obviously involving himself uh, in that. So that's 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 fair play. And, and, and it's not, you know, this is not usual, but it's not unusual. It's not the first time a player will come out and have a real blast but you don't it's not, do it. It's not the first time to, Paul McGowan's done it. No, it's not the first time Paul McGowan's <laughs> done it. That's right. But it's the kind of thing that, that tells you all you need to know about the state of the club internally, that things are not going well. You don't do it when you're chasing second top or third top or a European spot. You do it when you're absolutely in the depths and you, you don't see much of a way forward. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure he, I'll, I'll let Ian in because I don't want to hog this conversation, but it does one of two things to me. It either splits the dressing room further, and I use the word further advisedly because I think that there obviously must be, you know, a degree of unhappiness there. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not arisen from nowhere. So either splits the dressing room further or it galvanises the dressing room. And he will be hoping 
that it galvanises. And certainly James McPeak will be hoping that it galvanises the dressing room. But only time and only results will tell whether that's true or not. I mean, Ian, yeah, Jim's taking us on the... Onto the, the the full gouser as it became known in our office. One of our one of our, <laughs> one of our former colleagues, Neil Robertson, had had held Paul McGowan on maybe not quite as impassioned as that, but you know there, there has been a theme over the last two or three years. But it's although it happens, I always feel a wee bit conflicted because it's great. It's great for us in our industry, you know, when when a player gets as passionate as that, and he just basically just you, you ask him the you give him the the straight. The, the easiest of opening questions and and off he goes type thing. Just you know, he's got gets so much off his chest, and it's almost like a bit of. So I would imagine it's kind of therapeutic for a, for certain types of footballers that that you know that let themselves you know speak in in that in that way. But it isn't that common, is it? I mean, I'm trying to think back. I certainly can't remember. You know, I can remember. Like say Dave Mackay at St Johnston, when there was you know there was a bad performance, we'd always front up and call it like it is, but never anywhere close to that. The only you know Dundee United seemed to go through a fair bit of that sort of in the relegation season. You you would you would get people would trot out as if they were coming to the gallows, but again they never really got tore into the dressing to that extent. The only the only club I can think of it happening is Dundee, and it is more often than not it has been Paul McGowan, but. What 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 did you make of it when you first when you first saw it, Ian? Well, um, we have been there before with uh, Gowser on many occasions. It's one of those where you you ask one question and then the next thing you do is switch your tape off about five or six minutes later <laughs> because he's he's just <laughs> continued all the way through without without any break. However, credit to him, uh, I want to make this point. Credit to him, he didn't hide. He, he he could have had other players maybe were more reluctant. Shall we be kind to them? Well, I was going to say just um, just to interrupt you a wee bit, Ian. Yeah, just to give people an idea how it works. You know, we would it was George Cran that was doing the game for us, and there would have been two or three probably other guys representing the Nationals or, or freelance. You know, for for Monday's papers, we ask for the player we want to speak to, and sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they'll say no. That. But it became clear, you know, Paul McGowan wasn't the one, I, I think I'm right in saying, I don't think Paul McGowan was the one that we were asked for, but he, you know, basically whoever was asked for didn't fancy didn't fancy the job. And Paul McGowan says, look, yeah, I'll do it. And there he's, he's come out. So carry on, Ian. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not giving away industry secrets here. When, you're, when you've got a stinking result like that one and when the club's struggling, you tend to ask for senior players. You ask for the captain usually or or a senior player like McGowan, an elder statesman who uh, you think will will actually come up rather than a younger player. There is an element of us being a, a, kind of kinder to a... You, you wouldn't ask for a 20-year-old, you know, if they've been hammered 6-0. No, so um, that, that that's telling the, the fans a bit of what goes on. You know, that's how it works. So when, when you saw, um, if you saw the comments before you saw who was attributed to, uh, you would have guessed it was it was Paul McGowan. He, he's got, he's got I, I, I myself have been there with him when he's done that. Um, uh, it's, it's one of those where you're kind of glad that he says it, but you wonder what good will come of it. Um, Training, training the next day or the next couple of days later must have been interesting to see how players reacted to it. That's whether they took any notice at all. They should have. If they didn't take any notice, it should have been pointed out to them. 
they should have been told that's what that's what he's been saying about the team. Um, it was a terrible result. Dundee, listen, we were focusing on the players and the manager, quite rightly. But remember, there's supporters involved here as well. They're not at the games, but they've they've paid their money. Dundee fans, probably more than most, have backed their team over the years financially. Um, they've put their heart and soul into this, and they're being let down. Uh, and it all already looks as if you know you're looking up that table, and and I think I think a turning point is when you start talking about them being fourth from bottom rather than seventh from top. You know, you're actually looking behind you now um, and saying they're only on the five points. It's absolutely dreadful. But as far as, far as Paul McGowan goes, everybody can say, oh, well, he's like that, that's him again. You know, get the you know the, the, the kind of self-harm almost there. There's a bit of a masochist on him. But at least he, at least he comes up, at least he talks. Uh, he does include himself in it. Whether it's whether it's fruitful or not, I don't know. We'll only tell in the next few weeks. But what 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 else could he do? He can't come up and 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 kid everybody on, can he? And he isn't that type of character. No, um, listen, Jim. Let's go back to the sort of bare statistics of it all. Dundee, what one one in five, isn't it? Mm. Now, eight points now. I think everybody kind of, well, not everybody, but you, you, Dundee hope to be to be on on Hearts coattails at this stage, or even even possibly a get off the flyer, and you know. You know, make them chase them, but they're eight points off them Fellman at the top, and we're these these are you know this is before we talk about James McPake or you know solutions and all the rest of it. That's that's a terrible position to be in this early in the season, isn't it? Terrible position. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, I think the worrying thing is, I mean, and and, and you know, right here because I mean, he did this two years ago when McCann was a manager. And after I think it was after the Hibs game, he lost six in the bounce and anywhere. And his language was, <clears throat> was a wee bit. A wee bit more choice that time, as I recall. Um, he, he, he was a bit calmer in terms of the kind of the swearies this time. But I mean, he was brutal. You know, passengers in the team singling myself out as I'm including myself in it. Wouldn't pay to watch us. Um, you know, another manager's fault. He can't physically go into pitch. Blah blah blah. Um, and you know, I, I think what, it, what what he talked about was you know the lack characters in the dressing room. Now that plainly shows through, Eric, because you're right. Looking at the table. You know, as we say a minute ago, you know, there's, we should repeat it. Five wins, a draw, uh, one win. Sorry, five played, one win, two draws, two defeats, seven for, twelve against. That's dreadful form at this stage in the season. Five games in, particularly when you look at clubs like Dunfermline who are sitting eight points ahead. Now, Ian's right. I mean, the, the minute you start saying things like "we're well, actually we're fourth bottom," that brings a whole new dynamic to things. I mean, it's actually, I think, um, and and this may have an impact on what happens to the manager. I think it's probably a good thing at the moment that the fans are not on the ground because you know football oh, close. I think that's yeah. an understatement. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that, that walk of shame back to the oh, back to the tunnel absolutely. in front of the Dens main stand? Oh, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not, but it's not just for the manager. I mean, I, I can recall, you know, when, when I kind of uh, when I went freelance first, when I left the BBC and went freelance first, and uh, did a wee bit of work for. I was going to say you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get the treatment as well, did you? No, Jim Spence. No, but I watched, I watched Stephen Thompson getting it when when things were going you know, uh, south at Tannadice but some of it was, I mean, guys, you're talking about guys sitting at the back of them, guys that, you know, that, that had, uh, you know, were, were really very, very close to him physically and all the rest of it. Um, absolutely brutal. Never mind. Now, 
that's the problem. You know, when when you know when the directors start to get it, when John Nelm starts to get it, it's not just the manager and his walk of shame, and that's a long walk of shame at, at Dens Park. We know that. You know, there's a good 70, 80 yards to be covered there from the, the, the technical area up to uh, and right past that you know, main stand where it, it can be pretty ferocious. So it's actually a good thing at the moment because that dynamic is different as well. At the moment, John Nelms can sit back because let's face it, there are Dundee fans that want, um, want James out the door. They want him gone. They think, you know, no doubt we'll talk about that. A lot of them. Let's not yeah. let's not downplay this. I, I think we're we're into the, you, you know, you can't, you know, you can, you can. I don't know if anybody's done a a, a Twitter poll. Somebody's bound of, you know, and all the rest mm-hmm. of it forums. And but I I think the majority of Dundee fans would now think James McPake should be going. Would you think that's fair, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's how it appears. There's an interesting correlation here. I was sitting, you know, scrolling through Twitter today, and there's there's a lot of Celtic boys following me for whatever reason. You know, I I, I presume for my good looks and my <coughs> my my great <laughs> intelligence. You know, um, what was discussing was some of them. They were, they were talking about the Green Brigade have put a statement out today saying it's time time up for Neil Lennon. Um, there's a banner outside Celtic Park. Yeah, a banner outside Celtic Park. Yeah, that's right, Ian. And I said we're an airplane over shortly. You know, and I, I said to one of the guys that, that, that's quite prominent a prominent Celtic supporter on, on, on social media I'd say to him how do they conduct these polls you know and he said it's a phone-in poll and he's saying his, his timeline is showing that half the Celtic fans want uh, Lennon gone but obviously with the younger element the Greenberg they, they, you know it's almost I don't know what it is but it looks like it's they've obviously taken a vote it's majority vote and all the rest of it now that hasn't happened at Dens Park but I have to say the bulk of Dundee fans that I speak to and I speak to a lot of them um, are, are completely unimpressed with what's going on um, the, the, the real fear is not just that I think a lot of them want them gone I think there's there's an era of depression, a really serious era of depression settling in over Dundee fans. And given where the club have been, you know, given that they were in, I've written about this before, we've talked about it before, they could have put United to bed for a good few years when they were up there and United were down there. Um, they could have been captured in the next generation, all the rest of it. They failed to do all that. They got relegated. And now the way they're heading, I, I don't think this will happen, but now the way they're heading, it's not inconceivable that they could end up at the bottom this, at, at the end of the season fighting relegation to, to League One, which would be a horrendous prospect. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but you know the rea- realities are at the moment, they're only, um, they're only one point ahead of Queen of the South. They're only... Three points, a win or a loss, should I say, ahead of our growth, who they meet at the weekend. You know, so it, these are grim times for them, and the fans undoubtedly are very, very angry. And in that respect, because of the dynamics and, and the, the manager's not getting it absolutely in the neck physically, if you want, you know, from fans at the, at the game, and John Nelms isn't getting that. That's probably a massive stroke of luck at the moment. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's been a, it's been an intriguing sort of. Sort of subplot when you've seen at the start of this week with the, I think James McPake again. I think he's just like Paul McGowan. He he doesn't he doesn't duck questions or he, he sort of doesn't duck press conferences. You know he's been he spoke to us at the not as personally but he spoke to our paper at the start of the week. So nothing's changed and his 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 summation of it is brutally honest as well. I mean there's not some he he's not used the same. Uh, uh, swear words as maybe as Paul McGowan, and you know it's not quite as colourful, but you know the themes are the themes are similar, and, and in no ways he tried to sort of water down what what McGowan said. No, he hasn't. So you've got him speaking well. You've also had Charlie Adam, who, let's face it, is he's as soon as he walked through the door, he would become the 
possibly the strongest personality in that dressing room. He's certainly got the certainly got the biggest sort of CV behind him. So he's and you know he has that seniority. You know, there's always this. Oh, does he want to be the next manager? Looking in the background, he said all the right things as well. It's do you do fans? It feels, it feels like a strange question to ask. Do fans actually like to hear this though, or do they? Does this just make their blood boil even more when when you know? It, they just think, well, it's talk, talk, talk. No, I, I think I think they do like to hear it to a certain extent. Ideally, they want their team to be winning and everything to be great. But when it's not, um, they do like to hear that. They prefer that to people trying to make out denial. the situation yeah. is better. You know, you get the denial. You get you get the mm-hmm. just flannel sometimes. Now, the only problem, and I notice, I notice James McPake, I've got a quote from James McPake here, I've not done my job well enough. Now, that's some statement, isn't it? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be going into a, mm-hmm. an annual review. I don't imagine many workers would, uh, having said, having admitted that. But what you're getting from him is honesty, and he's looking to, to improve. Um, it needs to happen, though. The problem, the problem I have with mere public mere culpas like this all uh, is that when there's bad results in the future, do you have to keep doing this? You know, does it, what do you say next week if, if, if there's a heavy defeat to Hibs? What do you say if the league results... Form, there's nowhere left to go, is there? There's you, nowhere you, left you to only go. Really, you can only really fire that gun a couple of times. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've chosen to do it this time, and I think possibly correctly because of the, the, the dire uh, league position. And the fact they're losing so much ground on who I would say are the two front runners, well, they are actually the front runners, but will be the front runners for all season, which is Hearts and Dunfermline. They're so far behind them that the, the, the situation is perilous. So um, it's right for them to do it. I think, to go back to your question, I do think fans like to hear it, but it can't be a thing that you're doing every week. Yeah. Um, I remember, yeah. I remember you mentioned how has it happened to other clubs. One, 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 one that sticks in my mind was uh, Paul Payton, uh, who was at United at the time. Mm. It was when they'd just gone down. I think oh, it was just yeah. after the, the Derby defeat to Dundee. And he really let, let go. But he hadn't, he hadn't done it in previous weeks. So it was fresh, you know. This was, this was a kind of real, a real kind of, uh, analysis of the the season almost from him. If if you're and 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 Paul McGowan, God bless him, you know he, he's honest as 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 anything. But if if he keeps doing it, the fans will just start stop paying attention and saying, "Oh, there he goes again," you know. So the the key is for the form to turn around. They they need this to be the kick up the backside. That's what they need. Yeah, I mean, you know, but Ian's absolutely nailed it there. <clears throat> um, Eric, the, the old Mia Culpa, Mia Culpa, Mia Maxima Culpa has a shelf life. Uh, and to be honest with you, that shelf life in the modern game gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, it, it probably would have been a, a wiser choice of words if, if, if James had said, uh, I've got room for improvement, because we can all quite clearly see that. You know, I mean, fair play to him for saying he hasn't done his job well enough and all the rest. But the problem is, I think very quickly, you know, as Ian said there uh, and nailed it to the wall, you only get away with it once or twice. And, and, and fans then say, yeah, okay, we heard you saying it last week. What are you doing to improve it? Now, that's the key thing. The, uh, honesty is great. Honesty is to be absolutely admired in a football manager and all the rest of it. Sometimes, you can, sometimes you've got to be a wee bit more careful in terms of your PR approach because you can nail yourself the wall unnecessarily when you've actually been doing really well and things have maybe, for various reasons, have gone 
you know, have gone south. Uh, but you, you, you know, you can't be too honest. But um, and and on this occasion, his honesty, you know, it ties yeah. in beautifully with what we're seeing on on the park, which is poor, poor quality football, poor results, and all the rest of it. But it has got a shelf life. And the key question fans are asking is: Yeah, it's all very well owning up and admitting that you know haven't done well enough. Can you change it? Are you the man to change it? Do we see any signs that you can change it? Because I think he finished off by saying in his interview with George that he could. He thought, you know, they could get it right. Now, <clears throat> that that's a is that a statement of fact? Obviously not. It's a statement of hope. Uh, is it a triumph of hope over expectation? Well, at the moment, looking at that table, probably. That said, we're only five games into the season. So try to, try to put some positive gloss on it. We are early into the season. But Dunfermline, I think, a lot of us thought Dunfermline might be a surprise package. I have to say, personally, uh, they, they have exceeded uh, anything I thought they would do. They've looked excellent against Hearts. They look terrific. So all of a sudden, I think, wow, not only have we got a, a really strong Hearts side that are going to push for um, for you know promotion, probably automatic promotion. You've got a Dunfermline side who are also um, going to be right in there at the death. You've got Wraith, who we saw taking a point off Dundee uh, a few weeks back at Dance. We've got Ayr now in fourth position, who have beaten them. Inverness are a couple of points ahead. Inverness picking up. Inverness yeah. picking up. They're a side that can quite easily take points from Dundee, either full points or, or, or a point in a draw or whatever. And you realise suddenly the magnitude of the task which now faces Dundee and James McPeak. And it's a really onerous one. This is this will not be an easy league to escape. And this is where we come back to not just the, the immediate future of James McPake, but what is it done what are Dundee about? What what are Dundee's ambitions this season? I mean, I said Mercurial Com last Saturday, Dundee United's ambitions have to be top six. That's the size of club they are. Dundee's ambitions have to be to be out of the championship. They are too big a club. They've got too big an infrastructure to be a championship club. But football owes you nothing. You get what you, you get what you work for, and you get what you know what, what you put in, you get out by and large. And at the moment, um, they're patently not putting in enough, and and what they might get out might be really really depressing come the end of the season. Right, like I said, and Jim mentioned the the the, the honesty word there. There was a lot of that. We're talking about uh, James McPake and Paul McGowan. Be honest, Ian. Did you did you expect a Sunday sacking? No. No, I didn't. For what reason? Did you do you think do you think John Nelms is so invested in this? Yeah, I mean, I just didn't think it's imminent. I, mean, I, I think I'm, I'm not saying that there is not the possibility there in, in the future if it doesn't change. But no, I didn't. I didn't. I was uh, this weekend or uh, last weekend. I thought I thought he'd be okay. He doesn't strike me as a as someone. Previous to the weekend, he didn't strike me as someone who was feeling pressure. That's maybe changed now. Uh, I think the problem for him is the league position, the lack of progress in the league. That weighs you down. But um, John Nelms, who knows? I mean, he, he has has he has he been kind of trigger happy before? I wouldn't say so. Um, is he feeling pressure? Perhaps he should be. You know, why do? Owners of clubs or people who are running the clubs on behalf of, say, Tim Keyes, why, why do they not feel under pressure for decisions? If they've appointed the manager, surely they do carry some responsibility. They're not there in the dugout. They're not there on the pitch. But they made this, the decision in the first place. So there's the, the heat should be on them. And I think it is. I think, I think fans are fed up. 
they're fed up of what they're seeing. And and also, well, I think what, Ian, I think Ian, I think just on that theme, you could probably go back. Although it didn't it didn't end well, you have to go back to Paul Hartley as the last successful appointment. So, you know, we're not ruling. You know. James McPake's still in the job, but at the moment it's not succeeding. And then if you look at the previous two, Jim McIntyre and Neil McCann, although Neil McCann kept them up, you know, in that sort of temporary post, you know, it's a while since John Nelms got it right. That's right. And 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 I think I think there should be there should be a focus on him as the kind of head man there. Because in industry that's what happens. If 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 say a supermarket chain results were failing. You would look at the top. You would you would go to the top. I mean, okay, you would analyse the, the 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 chain of command down and see what the middle managers and that are doing and try and improve there. But you also have to look at the, the the guy at the top. Now, I think I think it's unacceptable how Dundee have started this season. I just don't think it's the fans deserve this. Um, it's be, it was a hellish hellish summer, and now it's turning into maybe not hellish, but it's it's just not good enough. Uh, what's going on in the park. And we've got players saying it now, and we've got the manager saying it now. You know, what about what about John Nelms? And let's cut out all the fringe stuff, all the all the, the, the kind of the, the frippery of there's going to be a new stadium, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. Dundee fans want results on the pitch. That's what they want. Let's just focus on the football. Let's focus on getting things right on the football park at Dens, before anything else. And let's not hear anything. Well, we aren't hearing anything, I suppose, about <laughs> any of these any of these projects that have been hanging around for what seems like years now. Uh, just distractions. Just distractions. Dundee need to have one thing, and Jim, Jim said it, one thing, which is to get the club back into the Premier League or the Premiership. I mean, Jim, how do you... I mean, none of us can predict what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone, you know, in the next few weeks. And Dundee are in League Cup action before they, they get back to the league. Mm-hmm. But how do you? What's your gut feeling about how this plays out? I mean, did you did you did you feel a Sunday sacking was coming, or were you like Ian thinking, no, this this has got a bit longer? <clears throat> I didn't either. And I think Ian's pretty much nailed everything. That it's hard to, hard to add anything to what he said there. I mean, other than perhaps you know, I I, I do wonder what Tim Keys, who is the money man, who I think is the guy who's invested the bulk of his money, and 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 I have to say, you know. Um, can it be criticised for, for what he's done? He's put his money in, you know. He's certainly done that. Um, but you know, what, what are the plans? What, what you know? What, what are the what are the long term plans for Dundee? And I'm not talking about infrastructure, new stadiums, and all the rest. Of it. I mean, where do they see Dundee going? Where do they see them being? They were in the Premiership. They've dropped out. They've gone now through several periods with managers at which have <clears throat> which have not worked out. Um, the finances of the club cannot be particularly pretty, never mind uh, the COVID situation, you know, and here they are, five games in, five points, miles adrift already of Dunfermline uh, and Hearts and and an absolutely vital season for them. I mean, ultimately, appointing a football manager... um, uh, and sacking a, 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 a manager are, are, are two difficult things because you can get them both spectacularly wrong. And I have to say at the moment, I'm not in favour of James McPake going. I think he, he, he you know, you, you've got to give him, I think, another, certainly another few games, maybe more to see whether or not he can turn this around, to see whether there's something there bubbling under the surface. Do you, do you think he can? 
I, I, I don't I don't know is the honest answer, Eric. You would have to say on the basis of what we've seen so far, it looks unlikely. But he's got people like Jakubiak to come on who played in the reserve game the other day against United at Dance. Uh, he's got uh, Liam Fontaine to, to 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 be fit and to bring into side and all the rest of it. He's also got the you know the, the he's also got the. Um, the Charlie Adam factor in the dressing room, which will start to making itself, uh, you know, more and more felt on, on a regular basis. And I, I will say bluntly that I've thought from the start that if it doesn't go well for James, that you've got the potential replacement there of Charlie in the dressing room. He's played at the highest level. He's got contacts all over the game. Um, it, it may well be that, that, that that's the plan B, uh, if you want. But, you know, to answer your question, like Ian, I didn't think it would be a Sunday sacking because, you know, John Nelms hasn't been a guy that's been overly keen to pull the trigger. And there's a lot to commend that approach. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not a big one for hiring and firing. When you assemble a squad of players, I know it's easier to get rid of the manager, but when you assemble a squad of players and then a manager goes at the door, you know, you think, great, that'll turn things around. But it can quite easily turn into as big a disaster as what you've had. And I think that's the danger. I mean, being blunt, if you were saying at the moment, it's time for James McPake to go, the obvious question you have to ask yourself, and you'd have to ask yourself, while you were thinking uh, whether it was time for him to go, is who do you bring in to replace him? Do you have an identifiable uh, individual there? Now, it might well be that in Charlie you do, but Charlie's never managed. Charlie hasn't coached, to the best of my knowledge, at a high level. Um, terrific player and all the rest of it. Could he step up? He might step up and be a, an incredible success. Um, it might not. But it'd be you another know, so, gamble. So, another gamble so you have to think about all of these things and I think sometimes you know in some respects it's actually quite heartening to see John Nelms giving his backing to James and saying we'll stick with him he's a young manager he's got to learn his trade and the problem is I sometimes think there are clubs of a magnitude where you know that if you want to learn your trade you should do it down a division or two where bluntly there's not nearly as much pressure not nearly as much expectation you know I mean I, I, the, the, there was a period many years ago where it suddenly dawned on me that, that when I you know when I was a staffer with the BBC that my view of Dundee Football Club and my younger colleagues view of Dundee Football Club were two were, were basically poles apart I still regarded them as a very big Scottish side potentially most of my younger colleagues saw them as a Parthic Thistle or maybe a Falkirk, and no, no harm to these clubs. But you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, both, I've, both in League One. Yeah, I'm saying we're not going to ask what league <laughs> yeah. they're in. For my sins, I've watched Dundee in European football. I've stood at Dens Park with thirty-three thousand uh, in the ground. So you know, they, they, these are the memories that you kind of quite take away. But looking at them now, they have been on a trajectory downwards. I know they've been in the Premier League and out the Premier League. They've had a helter-skelter existence for years and years and seasons and seasons now. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of older Dundee fans live around about me. Uh, here where I am, and you speak to them, and it's kind of you know they've got to, they've got to go way back in the, in, into the dim and distant past for their their best memories, and it's a great pity because potentially there's still great potential for the club, but it fades year on year out, and I just I sense what I really sense, Eric, is a sense as a sense of drift about the club. Drift it's it's almost one. like watching yeah. an old auntie just fading away, and it's really sad to see what's going on at the minute. Oh well, Helene, you were at. Uh... You were at Tannerice on on Saturday. I was I was at McDermott, seeing the scores come through, and it it's, it seemed like a bit of a it was a bit of a up and down, crazy end to the game, wasn't it? Uh, you know, missed penalties, goals at both ends, all sorts of things happened. It wasn't kind of wasn't really the the script we were predicting for Dundee United against Hamilton, but it's another win. United are fifth in the table. I know you, you wrote a very good uh, comment piece on the whole situation. Thank it's you. a very it, 
I don't, these are these are that's quite all right. These are very peculiar times we're living in. Obviously, I don't need to state that, but Dundee United feels incredibly peculiar. There they are. They're fifth in the table and their first season back, but we're not drowning in a in a sea of tangerine positivity, are we? Out there, it just it's it's it's, it's there's 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 this strange gap between what is cold hard reality in terms of points and and the table. And perception, isn't there? And yeah, yeah. Saturday's another example, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Uh, I, I, I was sitting in the uh, Jerry Kerr stand, freezing as we were. Uh, you're, as we're... you're the cold hard realist, obviously. Pragmatist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we're out there in the seats. No, but before the game, we'll, we'll get Jim as we'll get Jim in as the romantic after. <laughs> oh yes, the realist and romantic. That's, that's, Jim, that's me and Jim. Yeah. Um, aye, so I was sitting before the game in the in the, in the Jerry Kerr stand, and I'm, I'm saying, busy saying to the journalists who are socially distanced that has to say, so you have to kind of shout at them. Um, I hope. It's a straightforward United win, purely for selfish reasons, because it's easier yeah, to make early a match intro. report. You know, early <laughs> intro, exactly. Um, however, it never turned out like that. It was a pretty poor, well, it, r- rather more than pretty poor game, um, <laughs> up to a certain point. I thought you were going to do a gouser there. <laughs> and then it exploded, it exploded into action. Uh, it really was quite quite amazing. United, United who haven't. Hardly, I've hardly been conceding any goals. Lost an absolute stinker of a goal. Um, Mark Reynolds losing his man. Uh, Callahan, Ross Callahan, then gets in, head, heads, heads the the goal, and you're going, oh my goodness, one 0 Hamilton. All this, all this kind of optimism of the previous weeks washed away in that one, that one second. However, Nicky Clark, the hero of this season so far, along with Nicky probably Clark, uh, yeah. ben, Benji Sigrist, um he he saved the day. And the goals were, were terrific goals. You know, but you could say, well, United haven't been attacking well and there's been a lack of creativity. But McNulty's pass through up the line sent Liam Smith away. Liam Smith cuts it back. Great finish by Clark. A nice cushioned header from McManus for the second goal. So that was that was the good United. You know, we saw the good United coming through there. Two, two really well-worked goals. Um... And then they could have lost it with a bit of a freakish penalty, it has to be said. I don't think anybody other than the referee thought it was a penalty, including including the Hamilton players. Um, however, he blooms it over the bar. Probably deserved win. Well, I think it was a deserved win for United in the end. And you're right, Eric. Facts. The facts are fifth in the league. Um, going extremely well. The results are coming. They're, it's so long since of since since of you know the the bad results against the bad result against Peterhead in particular. Uh, that seems which, a distant. Which, yeah. which had which was a which was a half team. It was a half yeah. team anyway. Yeah. You know. So so that, that that was that was a thing. But since then they really have kicked on. There's been a real reaction there, and I just think it's time. I just think it's time for uh, Mickey Mellon to be recognised as having the good start that he's had to the season. Now it hasn't been easy on the eye all the time. In fact, most of the time it hasn't been because I've seen most of it. Um, however, he's getting results. And goodness me, United were last season, they were in the championship. You, you see how Dundee are struggling this season uh, down there. United fans need to kind of just wake up, smell the old proverbial coffee and realise that they're in a good position and they should be looking up the table. They're in the top six. Um, we're a fair chunk into the season, so who knows? 
if I had to predict, I would say, you know, they might struggle to stay as high as that. However, you never know. Who knows? Um, if they can click as well, that's the thing. They're getting these results by being quite stuffy. If it starts to click and starts to flow a bit better, then who knows where they can go? Yeah, I mean, listen, I've, I've, I've been consistent. I, I, I definitely, on your side of the argument over this, I think people people need to remember, you know, just the, the sort of get some perspective and get realistic about the situation for a, a newly promoted team. That's what they're doing They're a newly promoted team. But but there is still that there is still that gap. I think what is a and it's becoming a growing theme, and I think it is a legitimate debate to have though, Jim, is about this about Lauren Shankland. I think, you know, Mickey Mellon, there are plenty of put it this way, there are plenty of players who came back from Scotland duty, international duty. I watched I watched uh, mm-hmm. three or four of them at Motherwell against St. Johnson. You know, Declan Gallagher played. Stephen O'Donnell played, both looked absolutely fine. Ali McCann played, who had played, you know, a, here's a 20-year-old boy who who played two, started two games for Northern Ireland the week before. Uh, Danny McNamara came back from, I know it's under-21s, but anyway, Ali McCann played very well. Mm-hmm. Lauren Shankin comes back and he's on the bench. And he comes on at 53 minutes, and I think Ian can maybe speak after you, but I don't think he really did much at all. It's Lauren Shankin and... Mickey Mellon, is that bec- is that becoming an issue? Because you know the the facts, yeah. the facts. I'm going to follow Ian's, Ian's theme there and do a Rafa Benitez. The facts t- tend to suggest it is. Well, um, the, the, there's a couple there's a couple of things there. Um, the, the the one thing you know, I was reading a, re- a very good piece the other day in Training Ground Guru, which is a um, a, a site to follow, and it's kind of you know very much in depth in terms of kind of the, the training elements and the sports science elements of, of the game, and and one of the, one of the big elements of, of football, of, of course, now uh, is about overloading or lo- loading you know loading strains on players. You know, every player has a different uh, a different amount that they can take in terms of you know what they put into games training and all the rest of it. Bear in mind that Shankland, was, you know, involvement in the Scotland game was kind of peripheral to say the least. Um, so he comes back, you know, so you wouldn't imagine that, that he's had he's had an over he's been overburdened with work, um, and yet he ends up uh, on the bench. Um, I, two two things, and, and Shankland falls into this. I mean, in terms of the overall team, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the Marcus Aurelius school of thought. Now, that wasn't the boy that played for Inter Milan well, back in the day. Who did he play for? Was, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he used to, you know, he, he's an Italian guy, was he? He was in the, that was the Shabba, that was the Shabba years, wasn't it? Did I miss him, or was it a mix of signing? The, the great Roman emperor and philosopher, concentrate on doing what's in front of you with precise and genuine seriousness. Now, I think the thing that Mellon has done with United is he's concentrated on the main problem, and that was defensively. He's getting that sorted out. He's got, you know, you can only you can only do one area of the team at a time. You can't get everything done at the one time. You've got to kind of pick out, you know, what's what's our weakest problem? What's, what are the areas we're, we're struggling with? And bear in mind, when, we were, when United were struggling, they had Shankland, the goal machine up front. He seems to have kind of got a much more solid. Um, he's working back to front, which is great. He already had a great goalkeeper. He's working back to front. He's solidifying the back, uh, the back line. That's great. Midfield at times looks a wee bit more creative than it did. Up front, this is where the Shankland uh, situation becomes very interesting because. By the looks of it, and I, I'm a Nicky Clark fan. I always was. Um, Clark and McNulty look to me a much more mobile pairing. Um, 
than either a McNulty and a Shankland or a Clark and a Shankland. Now, that, 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 that's quite interesting. Shankland is a goal scorer. He's having, I saw again some stats the other day, uh, again, on one of the sites that I follow, uh, you know, his heat map and all the rest of it, where he was doing his work this time around by comparison to where he was quite often earlier in the season or, la- or last season. Um and, and and the bottom line is quite simple. He's not up in and around the box nearly enough. Uh, and, and that's because he's not getting the service. Now, he's a different type of player, I think, from Clark and McNulty. And much of that, I think, is down to mo- uh, mobility. I'm not for a minute suggesting he's some kind of pensioner. He's still a young man. Um, but there, j- just as Louis Aperi, um, you know, seems to be kind of out of the school of thought with Mellon, it looks at the moment as though Mellon has a greater fancy for a front two of Clark and McNulty. Now, we, we touched on this, I think, in previous podcasts when McNulty arrived. And I like McNulty. I liked him, uh, you know, when I saw him at Hibs at, at Livy. Uh, uh, he's done well at every club he's been at. Um, the, the key question was, given the state of United's finances along with everyone else's in, in the COVID situation, is was McNulty being brought in so they could offload Shankland and, and bring some money in? Because United are losing money hand over fist, as most clubs are at the moment. So is McNulty there? As a replacement for Shankland, I think all will become clearer once the transfer window opens. But for the moment, Clark and McNulty look a reasonably good pairing up front. Um, and that leaves a problem. Before I throw it to Ian then, do you, are you saying at the moment you don't think Lawrence Shankland is in Mickey Mellon's first choice 11? Well, he didn't start on Saturday. So that, that would tell you to, to me that, that, that he's not. And I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm a great believer in don't change a winning team because quite often you've got the during the week guys pick up niggles, strange, yeah. maybe off the pace or whatever. Or there was things you saw in the game despite the fact that you won the previous week that you weren't happy with. But by and large, if you've got, you know, a front pair in Clark scoring the two goals, McNulty, mobile, passer the ball, can take a goal himself, great provider, um, you've got to be happy with that. So unless he's going to go for a 4-3-3, and I don't see any sign of that because he tends to favour the 5-3-2 although he, he does he, he, he can kind of shake it about I, I don't see him uh, as being a 4-3-3 manager um, so unless he's going to find uh, you know some kind of route to play all three in the team it looks to me for the moment that he is um, second I'm not say out of favour but he is behind mm-hmm. Clark and McNulty in the pecking order it's quite it's quite it's quite a turn of events Ian isn't it when you think about it yes, I mean, and, it, and, it and it jars it jars with the whole the whole financial situation because, I mean, unless football really has changed in the last couple of months, you have to play somebody to to get the sort of money you would want to get from him if, if you know, if selling Lawrence Shankland is is something that's going to help your financial position. No, I mean, I, I, th- I think I think Shankland's right in the mix there. I really do. I would throw, the reason, the reason I would say that, a couple of provisos uh, from, uh, I would say, uh, as regards Mellon's selection, what he did was he, he picked the same team as he and both he and I thought did well uh, away to St. Johnston, um, apart from the goalkeeper. So, so he, he carried that on. Also, in the run-up to the game on Saturday, he, he made the point, and whether, he, whether you take this on board or not, he did make the point that because very reason Shanklin wasn't involved in uh, the thick of things with Scotland, you know, and and he was he was he was like he had a, he had a few minutes and he, he wasn't on the bench except for some games. That meant that he wasn't getting the same kind of training uh, away with the international team. So maybe he would be a bit behind uh, in training. So he had he had he had that as as a reason. However, in saying that, it was amazing because it was a light bulb moment. Uh, just a switch went on in the second half. 
when you suddenly thought, you know, Shankland isn't the main, the key man here. He isn't the the man you're looking at all the time. Um, and right enough, right enough, it turned out like that because Clark got the two goals. But there was the thing when he came on, he wasn't prominent really enough uh, in the play. Yeah, how how, to, how how did he play? Okay, but he wasn't involved in the you know he wasn't involved in winning the match for United. Whereas last season on, on numerous occasions, spectacularly so oh, at yeah, times, yeah. Um, he would he would be the one who would save them. This time that wasn't the case. So. I do think I do think that uh, that that, that Mellon still has Shanklin to the forefront there in his thoughts. Um, however, again, it was just that we thought that you had watching them that he suddenly wasn't the number you know the number one um, on the park. Now that's interesting stuff, and it also could play yeah, well for United if if, if, they, if as Jim says, you know, you've got Clark and McNulty working so well. Maybe when the transfer window opens, they could feel that, that they could survive more easily without Shankland if he does go. So you could you can make that argument. I, I do think though that you, you can't write Shankland off. He could easily come up with a hat trick in, in any game he plays in, in the next over the next few weeks. He's still in the mix. He's still in the mix. He's maybe just he's maybe just seeing others. <laughs> you know, stepping up, whereas he he hasn't been able to do that yet. I, I would say though that we we'll have to we we'll have to note that he's season he's getting these. Oh, you've only scored two goals in open play thrown at him, but he's he's he had an injury for several several weeks, and he also has yeah, yeah. been away on international duty. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to take these things into consideration. It's a it's a it's probably the intriguing subplot, isn't it, of the of Dundee United at the moment, isn't it? It's, and it's going to be one. It's, is going to be one to watch. You know the whole, the, the Louis Louis Apare situation is. You know we've been. You know that one. That one kind of. You know that quickly became apparent, didn't it? That you know he just he just wasn't he just wasn't. Yeah, I, 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 I mean I, I don't think that you know there's there's no I mean it's kind of like the old insurance side. It wouldn't make a drama a crisis here. I mean I'm you know I'm not suggesting for a minute and Ian's right. I'm not suggesting for a minute he's he's out of the mix. What I'm saying at the moment is it looks as though um, the introduction of McNulty and 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 to some extent and I wouldn't say the rebirth of Clark because I always like Clark as a player. But a lot of people seem to kind of not take against the laddie but weren't quite convinced. And I like him. I think he's mobile. He's got goals in him. He's got provision in him. He assists um, the whole. But all of a sudden you've got a situation where it looks as though you've got pair them two from three and 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 either can work it, it's it's do they work equally well or or is, is one two from three working better than the other two from three unless of course as I say he's going to find a way to pair them all three into the the, the, the permutation and I, I suspect that that's not in Ricky Mellon's that. framework I no I don't that. either I don't think he's that type of manager you know so um, th- th- these are you know th- th- these are the, 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 the judgments that managers live and die by and at the moment you know take take the subject notion of how well Dundee United are playing or otherwise out because that you know some people will watch Barcelona and say they were mince last night others will watch them and think they were you know they they, they were they were ballet on on uh, you know on studs um you know the, the bottom line is quite simple for the moment looking at Dundee United sitting there in fifth position in the table that is a very very handsome uh, return for a season when they've come back up from the championship. There's very little to complain about there. Mickey Mellon has come in at a really difficult time, the middle of COVID and all the rest of it, uh, and he has done tremendously well. Well, United are in, are in fifth, and for a for a while there, 
covering Saints at Easter Road. Looked like they were going to be joining them in the top six and, and be six, but a late goal and it was back to back to seventh, two two draw Easter Road. It's still it's still a good result, Ian, isn't it? I know it's, it always feels you kind of think, oh, what could have been when, particularly when you take the lead and then lose a goal within with less less than a minute afterwards. That's always a, a a real sickener for a team, and then a game and you take the lead and then lose a goal in the in the eighties. But you know. When I saw this, even travelling to Easter Road, and I would have said a point would have been a great result given Hibs' form and all the rest of it. But certainly, when I saw the team sheet, and I mean, I knew you knew that Conway and Davison were going to be out after their trips to PRI on Saturday. But seeing Jason Kerr and, and Craig Bryson out as well, it was a compliment to the quality of Saints' fringe players. I mean, I say fringe players; it's a very small squad, but it was a it was a compliment to them that they came in and and got a result like that Ian yeah I think that was the key thing that was the key take from the game was that how well Saints coped with uh, having these players out um, uh, 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 you'll confirm this but I think there were a man is that a man down on the bench is that right oh a couple of men down there was only five yeah, outfield yeah. players and one, one of them was a one of them was the young, the, the, the wonderfully Aye, so, named Alex Ferguson <laughs> Aye, so that's a, that's the that's the kind of numbers there um, but that you, you you see in depth when you can bring in players into the actual starting lineup who can go to Easter Road and be ahead of Hibs twice. It is a shame that, that McCann's waxed lyrical about about Ali. Um, but it was a, it was a great great finish. He was he was so quick getting onto the ball, wasn't he? Pouncing on it. Yeah. But then then they lost it. It's a shame. Wotherspoon, a player who I think is is terrific. Um, that for me was the goal of the game, and then um, a bit of a scrappy one, wasn't it? Maybe took a couple, Aye, of, a couple of wee deflections end. on its so, way through. But, yeah, but goodness me! I mean, Celtic, Celtic uh, only, only could only draw away Hibs, and um, I think that I think it was a it was a good point. I mean, you get bad points and good points, you really do. You and do. even just because just because Saints were ahead in the game so late on, was it seven minutes or so to go? That doesn't mean make the turn it into a disappointment. I don't think. I think you have to step back and say that was a good night's work, and it keeps Saints ticking over. And and also the record at Easter Road. I mean, I think it's is it six. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Who who can who can boast that? You can boast that even Rangers. Go back myself, to 20, you know? 2012, I think it is, before, last time they lost in yeah, the league. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah. that's sensational stuff. So it's a ground at the like uh, against a team who are dangerous side, uh, one of the one of the better teams in Scotland. So, no, I think it was a good, a, a right good uh, night's work for St. Johnson. It showed that, I mean, Jim, St. Johnson, they're kind of on, uh, they walk a tightrope, but there's, it's, that last night, it highlighted the, the sort of the pros and the cons of running with the smallest squad in the league. Mm. Now, obviously, there's there's financial reasons for that, you know, and all the rest of it. Steve Brown knows how to he knows how to run a business, but you, when you see the you know the, the pluses are when you know when you've got a run with such a small squad, the guys are all going to be competitive. It's gonna they're going to get game time. You think nobody's going to feel sort of out of the picture and, and and have no hope of getting in the team, um, so that you know you can you can you can see that really really helping them and it and it did help them during the game. There guys slipped in somebody like Sean Rooney, who played in an unfamiliar position to him mm-hmm. at the start of the season anyway. You know drops in at that right sided 
uh, centre half role out, out the three and plays so Jason Kern plays very well. It's but obviously you know they've got four injuries just now, which which was bad. But you know another one, and all of a sudden you think can the squad absorb it? So. It's it's there's pluses and minuses, isn't there? Yeah, I think there are. I mean, you know, they they, they were they were minus uh, some real quality last night. Let's be blunt, you know. But I think that there were many good things. McCann, I mean, we've all waxed lyrical about McCann here. I thought the way he made made the run, you know, uh, Stevie. I mean, I thought Stevie maybe was going to score. He almost fell on his backside, but McCann was on it in a flash to uh, to stick it away. I have to say that. Um, you know, the, 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 the goals, I kind of sense that, that maybe both defences uh, could have been a wee bit tighter uh, for the goals they lost. I mean, the three players round McGinn when he stuck that one, past, the first one past uh, uh, Big Xander, you yeah. know, there were players, all, players all over the shop. And you thought if they'd been a wee bit smarter, a wee bit more alert, they might have uh, got a tackle um, in there. But I thought that um, Wotherspoon, who I'm a big, big fan of, again, you know, the Hibs defence retreated from Wotherspoon as he ran through. He went by about two players, pulled to the side, but it was a lovely strike, a low strike, no chance for the keeper. And he knew what he was about, but the, the, the defence, the Hibs defence did kind of open up like the parting of the Red Sea. Um, and then again, you know, when when, when Hibs equalised, and I mean, you know, I, I can't help thinking it was two points lost for Saints to go to Easter Road because Hibs have been you know on fire this season they've got three great front men um, they, they, they're equalised and again went through a, a, a ruck of players you know and into the net and that happens we know that but I think that you know Callum Callum Davidson I think has made a really fine start to his career as St Johnson boss I mean I was a great admirer of Tommy I thought Tommy worked absolute wonders you know with a small budget and we know that him and the chairman were constantly at loggerheads you know in private about you know how much he could spend in the the budget and all the rest of it. and understood both points of view. Managers always want to have a you know if they can a big squad and as many to choose from as possible. Um, you know, and enough players are never enough. And the chairman has got to run a run a tight ship, make sure the club's not in trouble. And St Johnston have always been run brilliantly this season. They've gone with a smaller squad, so there's a greater camaraderie about it. And I think if anything, you know, um, they're playing with a liveliness and and a kind of acuteness and, and, and a more freedom of expression perhaps than I've seen from them previously. So you know, I think St. Johnson are really enjoyable to to watch. Um, and I think that when you take, it was four changes last night, wasn't it? As I recall, I mean, I think, uh-huh. you know, yeah, when you can, when you, when you can make, when you can, you know, lose the quality of the players that they lost last night uh, and go to Easter Road and take a point, uh, I think, you know, it goes very well for the rest of the season for them. And just before we wrap up, it's the, uh, it's the cup for them on on Saturday away at Motherwell. It's a, that's a fifty fifty shout, isn't it, Ian? Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to predict that one, isn't it? I mean, since since form away from away from home has been very good, so I, I think you go in there and it'll be a case of uh, which which team plays the better stuff on the day. Um, I, I would say, looking at the league table, I think from United downwards, we do have a we do have almost a, a, a middle group there, don't we? That I would include. Both uh, Motherwell and St Johnston and that. I think yeah, I think we'd be quite happy clubs. if it develops into three three many leagues, wouldn't we? From yeah. the point of view of St Johnston and Dundee United, you know, I think so. That would be great, wouldn't it? I mean, I think it's a much of a muchness between these teams just now, and then you've got the the ones further down and obviously fighting the. the you would probably say that the four above, um, although Hibs and Aberdeen will never get near the title. However. Um, so we have uh, we have two teams that are I think are I think are quite similar in quality there. So that that could go that could go either way. But um, if 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 uh, if Saints can do it, 
then goodness me, you're progressing the cup. You've got a, you've got a, just Jim saying about the season. You know, it's a it's a good start in the league, a really really good start in the league. And if you can get through the next round in the cup, I mean, Tommy Wright was such a hard act to follow, and and we can't underestimate that. He was a he was a, he's a legend at that at that club, and whoever was going to come in. It was it was a hard hard act to follow to get to come in and do even you know even steady things there. But I think Callum's doing just a wee bit more than that. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's kicking on himself and and bringing a bit of the the, the st- his own style to the play. So good luck to him and uh, I, I wish Saints well on Saturday and, and they could certainly certainly have the capabilities to to win. Good stuff. Okay. Well, thanks again, guys, and thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Cheers again. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.